I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Do you want me to do a little bit for you before the others arrive? Yeah. Can you count me in with some pan pipes? <laughs> <laughs> do you mean like... That microphone in front of. Okay, we ready? Good plan, good plan. Who thought of this one? You're listening to the Out of Sanctum podcast. Here is a moment in time in the history of the AFL. In from the side, Houghton. She was surrounded by blue jumpers. Bounce on its point. Wow. The fakes, the gods are with the gods. Podcasts write themselves. <laughs> Welcome to the Outer Sanctum for another week. We have got a lot to talk about. It seems to be two steps forward, one step back. I'm Emma Race and I'm joined today, as always, by my dear and faithful football-loving friends, Dr Kate Sear. How are your pipes, Tamika? <laughs> They're all right, thanks. Good. Glad to be here. Oh, you are too much. Lucy Race, how are you? I'm really good. Did you bring your teddy bear this morning? Oh, I see what you're doing. Mm. Trash talk the sister. (laughs) I didn't bring Teddy because he had other arrangements. (laughs) (laughs) He's at home watching the golf. How are you, Nicole Hayes? I am very well, thank you, Emma Race. And how are you, future wearing Alicia sometimes? I've got a quick secret. Yeah? I watched the footy. Uh, It was uh, Collingwood... GWS. GWS. (laughs) (laughs) But this is the thing. I was so tense. I've never in my whole life done this. I had a whole bar of chocolate. I've never done it before. Sure. My period came the next day. But I, I just was so nervous. How is playing. it possible that that's the first time you've done that? I've never, ever, ever, oh, ever no. even done half of that. I'm I not compiling a list of Alicia sometimes facts. And at the end of the season, I'm going to describe this person to you. Yeah, you're going to have to watch the whole of The Sound of Music <laughs> exactly. for the first time in your life and eat a block of chocolate. I've probably done, I reckon, two pies and four tubs of chicken salt chips, but I don't think I've done chocolate. Chicken salt's always a big winner. Yeah. Okay. We're missing someone, though, too. Oh, we you are want to missing that? someone. Completely What's her name? Felicity what? Race is That's out with a collarbone. Ironically, not hers. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it's apologies from her today. We're going to do our best to cover all her pithy comments. I wish that people could just write in and, you know, or text in at the same time. It doesn't work like that, does it, on a mm. podcast? No. So we'll do our best to cover her. It's been such a big week. Ironically, it was the Mother's Day round. Mm. What, a, what an awesome time to respect women around the game of <laughs> yeah. AFL. Um, I feel like I just want to say it'd be great one day if we could just turn up and talk about footy. I can't wait for that day. Yeah, it'd be Will nice. Will that day come? I don't know. Maybe it's next week. 
Although, you know, do we know enough about footy? I was to... going to say, we wouldn't have a job then, would <laughs> we? Sustain. We could get some guys in to Oh, help that's us. true. Yeah. Get some men to mansplain it to us. Okay, so it's been a week where misogyny has reared its ugly head again, and we have a lot to say. We've been keeping our powder dry. I've been, a lot of people have been asking us on Twitter, Kate Sia, you kind of manage our Twitter account yep. about um, how we feel about certain things that have happened and have been said dur- during the week. And I think that we've been trying really hard to take in all the information we've all at times had a head of steam about it but we try really hard to listen and to watch and and then to kind of you know think about it let it ruminate a little bit and then decanter it here with our nearest and dearest on the podcast but Katie do you want to give us just like an overview of the week's kind of activities and and moments yeah I mean there's been so much um so we had the China game in uh, uh, China, <laughs> surprisingly <laughs> enough. Shanghai, gee, God, it's not a, not a good start. And there are some issues around the media coverage of that that we're going to tap into later on. But there are also two big events that I think um, have really dominated discussion over the last week. One involves some allegations about sexism by the footy show, which we don't talk about much on this on this program. And the other involves some comments made to Mark Murphy in the Carlton game on the weekend that have been fairly explosive. There's been a huge amount of coverage. So both of those issues touch upon how we talk about and uh, represent women in the game, in an, on the field, um, and we wanted to try and have a go at unpacking them both. So let's start chronologically because the two events that um, we're talking about, I suppose, in this uh, idea of the misogyny that continues around the game was the AFL footy show had a banner that was a joke and it was a joke at the expense of Rebecca Madden. And then the Mark Murphy affair that happened... I can't separate those two things and I've seen people who speak about the game professionally separate them and come out and say, like, we cannot stand this misogyny on the field but think that the Beck Madden thing was hilarious Mm. Mm. and I can't separate them. And as much as I'm loath to give oxygen to the footy show because, you know, if we look at the anatomy of that joke and and what happened there is they were so proud of it. They were um, pumping it up. They were tweeting it. They were Facebooking it. There was no shame around that for them. So clearly the footy show, this is where they want to go. This is where they want to live and this is the stuff that they want to talk about and deal in. So I'm going to try really hard to not give it the oxygen that they want it to have but to offer an alternate opinion. There was a lot of things that were offensive about it but, Lucy, you had a really interesting take on what it says to the broader community and to footy clubs. I did and I think the image on the banner that was held up is is where... I have a real issue with it. And it was an image of a man wearing makeup with a wig superimposed over a topless female body. So what that banner did was, and also along with the words, it actually made it personal. So it made the the criticism of Beck personal. They made it about her looks and then they sexualised it by using an image of a naked woman. What I'd like to say is there's a lot of ways to be funny without being sexist. And our criticism isn't about not being okay with a joke because... We are, and (laughs) most women are. We are are a joke. Um, (laughs) But, you know, for me, the image of two footballers in Max Gorn and Isaac Smith holding up the banner and laughing actually draws them and their clubs into the whole episode. Um, And these are clubs that both have women's teams. I think the time's come for clubs to start thinking about how they want to be perceived. So what's their brand, if you want to look at it from that perspective? 
I think we can see that the footy show is committed to old school sexism and I think there's evidence to suggest that they're pursuing this kind of banter even harder. That kind of sexism and misogyny sticks to people who go on the show and then they walk it back into their clubs on the bottom of their shoes. My hope is that pressure from fans and sponsors is going to help consign this kind of show to the scrap heap sooner rather than later because their sexist attitudes give implicit approval to a section of the community to continue to think and act this way. Agreed. Agreed. Mm. Alicia? Just adding to it the fact that it could have been a joke uh, that was funny. They could have done anything on that banner that was quite jokey. There was a gunshot that was heard uh, as they were talking and uh, as Beck Madden's face just dropped. And uh, it was a time that perhaps she could have said something. Yeah, and that's something that I wanted to talk about. Uh, And I want to, I'm not at all putting, I'm not attempting to put my words or my beliefs or my thoughts into where Rebecca Madden should or should think or does think. And I just want to be really clear on that and say that, you know, everyone's journey is their own. But I would really like for the theatre of this podcast for you to potentially close your eyes unless you're driving (laughs) and um, just go with me on this and imagine what we know is that she played along with it. She looked shocked. I would be really surprised if she didn't already know Mm. that this was coming. It would be very unlikely that she didn't know what was coming and what was on this banner. And she came out recently and said she has no problem with it. She can take a joke and she can mix it with the big boys, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And that is her right. Absolutely. But for a moment, go with me on this. Imagine if this had been her response. Imagine if she had sat on the panel and seen it and they pan to her and she's got a one shot and she says this, oh, I know you guys and I like you all. And I also have a really, really healthy self-esteem. But I just want to say this, that would not be the case for all the women and girls who watch this show and give you their support. By using a nude image there on the banner and mocking my appearance for your funny joke, what you do is send a message to everyone that women and their bodies will remain a point of mockery on this show, regardless of me being a panellist. I would imagine that the women who played in the AFLW would think that this sends the exact opposite message to the message of positivity and inclusion that the AFLW sent. I'm fine and I can see this for what it is because I know you, because I know all of you. But when five men all pile in and mock a single woman and use a naked image to do so, what it looks like is group misogyny. And when you, the audience, clap that, clap that banner, or you boo me for saying these words, what it says is that your daughters and your sisters and your wives are ripe for mocking and humiliation week by week by this group of men. Mm, If she had taken an opportunity like that to value add, Mm. to extend the conversation, then I think today we'd be sitting here blown away. It would have gone crazy viral. They would have had probably more hits than they've had because they would have been doing something that they haven't done before. (laughs) They might have even gained some audience. And they they may have gained some audience. And you know what? Mm. She'd probably be on the front cover of the Oprah Winfrey magazine by next week. So many bad things on social media saying she deserved it because of her stance on the banner. But wherever she stood on the banner, however right and wrong, and 
I think she's wrong. But don't forget, <laughs> Sam Newman went even yeah. harder on oh, the banner. Definitely. And so it was actually, it's not about that. It's no. about let's heap on bear. And he, let's have an opinion. And for a woman who has an opinion, mm, that's yeah. where it gets problematic. He backed off and also Husey threw when they the, said... Threw us, under the truck. Yeah, threw <laughs> under the truck. And yeah. then when Husey, they said, uh, you, you did the banner, he said, no, I didn't. And he backed off of that. So yeah. what was the story? But nobody stood up. In explaining this whole thing to my 12-year-old son, he looked at me with a puzzled look and scratched his head and he said, but how do they get from banners to what she looks like? It's a really hmm. good question. So let's roll this into what happened on Saturday night, the eve of Mother's Day, if you will, um, when the Saints and Carlton met. Let yep. me remind you of how hard the Saints have been pushing for an AFLW team while Kate Sear talks you through what happened on <laughs> yeah. um, during that game, the Saints v Carlton. Yeah. Oh, look, I've got to be honest about this. This this made me furious watching this unfold over the last few days. So for those who didn't know, basically what happened was Carlton was playing St Kilda and apparently throughout the game there were a number of sledges directed towards the captain, Mark Murphy, Something about his wife and her sexual reputation, perhaps some suggestions that she was promiscuous or something to that effect. That was a speculation anyway, that she was spending time with other men. He reacted. He was very angry. He was particularly angry with Jake Carlisle. And so then there was a lot of commentary subsequently about um, that. Mark Murphy was clearly upset. The clubs met during the week or, you know, the club St Kilda spoke to Mark Murphy. It didn't end up going anywhere. There was no official complaint and that's something that I'm going to come back to. But of course, as often with these things, there was so much commentary on social media and in the media, mainstream media and on the radio about it. There are a couple of comments that stood out to me that I just heard over and over again, words to this effect, you know, callers saying, let's just stick to football. I don't want to hear us talk about this stuff. And of course, that old clangor, what happens on the field stays on the field, you know. <laughs> Um, there are two things that I think I, I want to say about that. The first one is the suggestion that we, we just stick to football. The, the implicit suggestion or the, the implication of that always is that sledging is an intrinsic and natural part of footy, but that debating the merits of what was said on the field isn't. And that is hugely problematic for a whole range of reasons, not the least because I don't think that sledging of this nature anyway is an intrinsic part of football. And if people think it is, I don't think it should be. The second thing that really got in my goat, that's the word. <laughs> Crawl. <is, laughs> really got, you know, got to me is this question of who gets to decide what is okay and whether it's okay to debate something. Is it callers to radio stations? Is it people on Twitter? Is it us? Or is it the people who are most directly affected? And one of the things that caught my eye is that there was a lot of chatter on Twitter. Somebody had called Mark Murphy a whinger and Jake Carlisle liked that tweet. Mm. And you know what I couldn't help but think right throughout this? Who is the direct victim of the sledge? Does anyone know Mark Murphy's wife's name? Yeah. Jessie Murphy, yeah. right? How often did we hear her name during the week? We heard all about Mark Murphy's wife. Mm -hmm. yeah. But she's the victim of that. She's the woman whose name and whose sexual uh, reputation was used as fodder on the footy field. And I think, you know, the way that this has been dealt with and the erasure of her voice, perhaps at her choice, yeah. choice throughout been. the week is, mm. is fine, but the erasure of her as a person and as a subject who was 
subject to this kind of commentary is just extraordinary to me. And I think this idea that the AFL, you know, this this notion that football fields, you know, that what happens on a football field stays on a football field, as if football fields aren't part of the rest of the world, that they're exempt from <laughs> mm-hmm. laws, defamation laws even, dis- mores, or mores yeah. social norms, etc., is outrageous. And it's never more stark than when somebody who's not on that field is being used as banter. And I think the AFL should have been far more um, stringent on this. I think their their position needed to be much stronger because once you start commenting on and perhaps even, you know, slandering people off field... Is it? It's not no. her workplace. And what I noticed four times was the fact that on social media, people saying the feminist quota are filling their clueless, you know, whatever, and that it's the last bastion of male freedom. That oh. came up a lot. A <laughs> so lot. bless. For, for me. Look, you know, there's no sector of public life or private life, really, for that matter, in which there aren't rules around what you say about and to other people. You know, I can't go into my workplace or I can't come on this show and make outrageous, libelous allegations or or claims about you, Lucy, or about you, Emma, you, Nicole, or you, Alicia. And I can make them about Felicity because she's not here today. (laughs) But, you know, this idea that it's the male, you know, it's the last bastion, it's just plainly wrong. And it's, it really gets to me. It's interesting that the AFL didn't have a strong response yeah. to this because when you go to their respect and responsibility document policy. policy, it is all about respect for women. This is something they are educated on. These footballers are educated about this way more than disability slurs and way more than potentially racist slurs because yeah. I've read the policy document. It's all about women, right? And we were just told that... We that nothing could happen after a disability slur was used as an insult because there's no policy around it. There is a policy exactly. around this, and it's been chosen to be put to one side. Yeah, they've you, ignored it. Do you know what it is, though, it. Lucy? I mean, what what it is is this is that situation that we used to have some years ago with you know the the players' tribunal, where if I punched you in back play, you, you might say, "Oh, look, let's just agree to let it slide this remember. time," and nobody would mm-hmm. do anything about it. I respect Mark Murphy's position and that of Jesse Murphy, and perhaps their willingness not to take it further, but. I also do think there are circumstances where it should be almost mandatory that the AFL acts regardless of the wishes of those involved to send a strong statement. Which they would do if it was, if it was a racial yes, slur. Sure and that's yep. education. Nicole, you had a lot to pontificate about and to draw out, <laughs> especially based on this, you know, the query that we've been talking about this all week and it's been Mark Murphy's wife. We haven't used her name. People haven't used her name. And potentially it's to protect her a bit. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But really... As women as chattels, I suppose. Mm, yeah, yeah. Look, I, I, there are a couple of points I want to make. I'll, I'll come back to that. But the first one I wanted, what noted, I noticed in the commentary that was really kind of difficult to watch was this awkwardness amongst the commentary about how to have this conversation at all. Some of that awkwardness came at my end because I'm watching a whole lot of men mostly have this conversation about what is and what isn't sexism and and what's acceptable and and you know what are the what the rules should be. But that was compounded by the fact that, you know, of how they responded to it and how it was managed. So there were several kind of responses that that I could categorise. The first was just the refusal to see it as sexism. And I'm talking about both issues here. I'm talking about the Beck Madam banner as well. And also to even consider the possibility that they were wrong, just this flat-out refusal to see the sexist element. Another of the responses was this 
incredible awkwardness in discussing it at all, as though sexism and disrespect towards women is an entirely separate issue from them yeah. as men, that they're not capable of, of get, having a sophisticated understanding of it at all. Some of the shows would cart out a woman to discuss it, some as though she's like some odd specimen entirely <laughs> distinct from what they know and understand. Tim Watson actually referred to it as the female component, and he brought out Emily Angwin, the, the newsreader, to say, here's a woman. What does she think? You know, it was just this, like this whole other species that we requires found, our own we segment. We found one. We found one. And that they're somehow, you know, called on to translate this obviously complex notion of respect. Um, that or they, some of them would say, oh, I asked women I know. <laughs> and then they would use that justification to then trot out their own approach to this. So so let's set that aside for a minute. The other thing that came out, I noticed, was that there's this hierarchy. This is what you were talking about, Em. This implication that certain women are more deserving of respect than others. And this was largely based on their relationship with a man, particularly football in this situation. So even though they didn't bother to name her, there was this idea that wives and sisters and girlfriends and mothers are somehow safe. They should be, they're sacrosanct. Whereas if you look at, you know, and the issue was he's at his workspace and he shouldn't be insulted in this way by referencing his wife. Beck Madden was also at her workplace. Yeah. But because she's not perceived as someone's sister, wife, you know, she's she's there in her own capacity as a human being. The idea is that she's not as entitled to respect and that she isn't as entitled to any sort of authority. This suggests that men aren't capable of empathy towards women without seeing them in relation to themselves. And I, I think that's a really depressing thought, but also I don't think that's true. There are plenty of men who are more than capable of doing this. So I wanted to think about, you know, what was driving this? What, And there is a consistent driving force behind it. One of them is that, frankly, there's this idea that women are somehow different to men and that their womanliness is more important than our shared humanity. Mm. Um, that rather than focus on the things that we can all agree on, it's this idea that there's this enormous separation. The other thing was, and this would help to break down, if, if men and people generally, if we you know, minimised objectification and sexualization of women, if basically women were more visible and more involved and more prevalent in this conversation in this space, that would break down this sense of otherness. Josh Penn had an excellent article uh, that talked about the diversity issue across media and how that would really address it. But the, the final thing I want people to think about, particularly men, is... Rather than think about if this happened to my sister or if this happened to my wife, how would I feel? I want you to think about how it would feel if it happened to you. If you, your whole life, had been demeaned, insulted and vilified based on your sexuality, if you, and if this had happened for generations, how would you feel? What would you do? It doesn't have to be about otherness. Respect is universal. And can I just say one final point on that, Nick? I not just that too, that even if you think about it in relation to yourself and you think, well, I might have been okay with that, you know, that comment, bear in mind that others may not mm. be and, and that respecting and appreciating the kind of whole fabric of humanity and the fact that people experience things differently and have different sensitivities is part of what it means to, to be, be empathetic, empathetic and yeah. human and all of those a things. whole other show to say that getting called either a slut or who you sleep with shouldn't be an insult because what the hell does it matter? That is yeah. my main yeah. beef yeah. is, okay... Why does that even matter? Yeah. Why, why does, does that, that matter? Power? Who cares? Exactly. Yeah. But I do encourage you to check out Josh's article 
article just from the yeah, footy it's gospel. Fabulous. It's a really great breakdown of what, what could be done going forward. Are we going to call this episode Don't Be an Asshole Part 2? Yes. <laughs> That's just a, it should be the standard running. Um, in an effort to turn this into a positive conversation and to try and work out where from where do we go from here and how can we you know source other ideas of how things are working, one thing that we did identify was that NRL, for all its cheerleaders and things that plague that in terms of misogyny, one thing that they do really right is that they have a lot of women commentating on league. They, they seem to have a lot of female faces. So earlier today, Kate, you caught up with someone who works in that space. Yeah, I did. I was so lucky to talk to Mary, uh, who is the host of a podcast called Ladies Who League. If you don't follow it, you must. And that is uh, a podcast where they talk about these kinds of issues, the same sorts of things we talk about, but within the landscape of rugby league. I think you'll enjoy what Mary had to say about their code. It's been a long time coming to have Ladies Who League and the Outer Sanctum together, but we're together at last. Finally, thank you so much for having me. I'm really happy to be here. So as we were talking about off-air, you know, there have been a whole bunch of really um, big issues in your code, in the NRL and in the AFL over the last couple of weeks. And I was really interested to get your take on a few things. You know, we've been talking a lot about sexism and diversity in the media this week. And it seems to me that one thing the NRL probably does very well, maybe better than the AFL, is that there are a lot of very visible female faces in the media up there. Tell us a bit about that. Look, Kate, I completely agree with that. And it's interesting because people often ask me which sport I think does the best when it comes to diversity. I think all the sports are sort of good at different elements. Like when you look at cricket and AFL, in terms of participation in women's competitions, they're certainly ahead of the NRL. But one space that I think the NRL does do quite well, as you said, is in relation to women in media. So you've obviously got your Yvonne Sampson, you've got Erin Mullen, you've got Lara Pitt, and these women are all extremely visible. And I think it's super important because you can't be what you can't see. So for women who want to be involved in media in rugby league, it's really important to have visible role models and visible women in the industry. Yeah, and it's a it's a relatively new thing, isn't it, to have so many women on television and on radio and yourself as, as well, of course. What what does it felt like for you as a person that's kind of central to that to that um, landscape? How do you think having women's voices has changed things up? Look, I think it just provides a different perspective and that's the great thing about diversity. We're not only talking about, you know, gender diversity but also racial diversity. It's bringing that different perspective and making people feel like different opinions are welcome in the game and that our games are inclusive, which I really like to think that all of our sports are inclusive. So that's what it's felt like for me. And look, it's also been great to have the support of other women in the industry. We often face similar issues. So it's great to have friends that are female in the industry as well and have them very visible. Can you say something for us about the sort of issues that uh, you and other women might face in the industry? I've got to be honest, I've been treated pretty well throughout my time as a rugby league fan. The most common comment I get, though, is... um, you know, what do you know about football? You've never laced on a pair of boots, despite the fact that many commentators that are male haven't laced on a pair of boots either. Yeah. Uh, the other one that sort of gets me as well is people asking why I would be interested in sport, like making that assumption that just because I'm a woman, it's not a space that I should be interested in. Whereas our sports do amazing work, not just on the field, but off the field. And I think that's something that we should be celebrating, that everyone should be part of, not just men. 
Yes. So the NRL obviously does a lot of things very well, and this is one of them. But tell me, are there things that you think the NRL could do a bit better, whether it's in relation to gender or race? Uh, Let me think about that one. That's tricky. Uh, In terms of gender, I think the big question at the moment is when are we going to have a women's competition? Right. And I had the opportunity to speak to Todd Greenberg, NRL CEO, about this a few weeks ago, and they're currently doing a white paper. So hopefully we'll have a bit more clarity about that at the end of the year. But what I'd really like to see them do is set out some specific milestones so that fans basically have an understanding of what the NRL is doing and the process of getting our Jillaroos into a space where they can play regularly and consistently in an NRL competition. Yeah, and perhaps for fans of our podcast who might not be as familiar with NRL, who are the Jillaroos? Can you tell us a little bit about them? Absolutely. So the Jillaroos are Australia's women's rugby league team and there's been increasing support for them, I would say, over the last two years. So our captain is Ruan Sims. Ruan also has three brothers that play in the NRL and a sister that plays gridiron. But names like Ruan Sims, Kezi Apps, Alana Ferguson and Maddie Studden are now becoming more familiar. The Jillaroos are playing in a Rugby League World Cup at the end of the year and they are reigning champions. What's exciting about that news, though, is that last night Channel 7 announced that they will be broadcasting all 12 games of the women's competition live. So that means that for anyone in Melbourne that hasn't had the chance to watch the Jillaroos play, you'll certainly have that opportunity at the end of the year. Oh, that sounds fantastic. And it just would be huge if there was a women's NRL competition and NRLW. So um, watch yeah. this space by the sounds of things. Um, the other big issue that's been playing out in the last week, particularly in the NRL up there, is that um, both codes have dealt with allegations of illicit drug use, including by players and officials. Can you tell us a little bit about the fallout for the code? I've got to be honest, Kate, I don't actually think there's been that much fallout. I think the media has spoken quite a bit about it and how problematic it is. I think fans are more accepting of the idea that this is an issue that our society is facing. And while that certainly doesn't make it okay, our sports are certainly going to be reflective of those issues. I think the NRL is doing a little bit of research into the way um, it hands out its penalties in relation to drug offences. I think there's been a little bit of inconsistency amongst the clubs about how they've applied their penalties, and I think that's probably been the most frustrating thing for fans. Yeah. Well, look, it's interesting because, as you will know, we spoke about um, comments made on an NRL show last week about illicit drug use by some AFL players or alleged illicit drug use and there was a bit of a fallout down here in the media too but then it also went away perhaps swamped by a whole bunch of other issues that had um, played out this week but look it's wonderful to talk to you we would love to have a much longer chat sometime where we kind of bounce around ideas about the two codes and perhaps even if there's a women's competition that does get up and running we will come back to you and get your thoughts. I would love that. Thank you so much for having me. I'm such a fan of the show and I hope you all continue to do the amazing work that you do in sport. Likewise, you too, Mary. You've been real trailblazers. So thank you for finding some time and it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Ladies Who League, get on board that podcast. It's fantastic. I feel disappointed when the NRL does stuff better than us. I know. <laughs> That's how competitive I am. True. <laughs> when are we going to have an all-female footy show? Well, I don't know, but when are they going to have a China, a China game? <laughs>
you know, know what? Though? Just putting it out there. Do you know? I mean, so this week there's been, and I did give a warning. I'm not saying I'm Nostradamus because I think anyone could have seen this coming. But cultural appropriation mm. around the China game, which wasn't a cultural exchange, I will put that out there. It was all in an effort to gain TV rights and a TV audience, you know, which looks more impressive on a stats sheet for potential sponsors. So no judgment in that. I think that sounded <laughs> quite judgy. Um, cultural appropriation got its run around this week, and oh, I'll just say this. When you have an all-white, all-male panel and you're talking about things that are not uh, they're about us without us, quite yeah. literally, that's where you get into uh, tricky waters, yeah? Absolutely. I'd say, you know, some of the commentary around this game was some of it was funny, some of it wasn't, some of it was in bad taste, but there were some elements that really did cross over into racial stereotypes. And I think what's clear is that in many areas of the mainstream football media – People struggle with nuance. They just don't get it. And you think just in football? Well, yeah, but maybe, yeah. Maybe it's But I'm, I'm going to keep this to the mainstream footy media. And, and I think you're exactly right, Emma, that this is what happens when you don't have diversity. You, you're in a bubble and you all think it's funny. And so, you know, Danny Frawley can impersonate a Chinese commentator and Jason Dunstall can laugh his head off and there's nobody in that room going, um... Alarm bells, Mm. this doesn't seem right. The only alarm bell that goes off in there is their own PC gone mad alarm bell. Mm. You know, Mm. that's the only thing that they think is, (laughs) that's the only bell that they can hear, I think. Yeah, it feels like a bit of an echo chamber, doesn't it? And that's the thing that we talk about so often. And I think that the more uh, often you have people from a range of different backgrounds, it's not guaranteed, but the likelihood of other perspectives increases. Otherwise, it's just an echo chamber where everyone's going, yeah, yeah, that was good, that was good. Oh, that racist, that joke about the Chinese takeaway menu was awesome. And there's nothing that ever Mm. cuts through that. I think that's the problem. Full me a copper here. We're probably, you know, we probably do a bit of that ourselves. Mm. Do we? I don't eat Chinese Beef and black. No, I don't. But do 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 we? Are we? Do we fall prey to that? Like we're all. I think we try not to. I think we're mindful of these. I mean, this is the thing. It's about mindfulness. It's about thoughtfulness. It doesn't mean you're not going to screw up sometimes, but Mm. it's this possibility of considering maybe that was one step too far. I I think what we do without blowing smoke up us Mm. is that when people do point out where we may have got something wrong, we listen to it and we try and understand that perspective. I encourage anyone to go to Titus O'Reilly's website this week. He's got a great source for anyone wanting to get into the media. It says no racist or sexist comments. Save that material for your media career. It guarantees you a job on radio and TV. And it goes on uh, how to be a good footballer that's, uh, you know, not PC. The other point I'd like to make out of that game in Shanghai is that instead of playing the national anthem, they actually played the port oh, theme song. No. So I think Koshi actually Never got his wish. Never tear us apart. Never tear us apart. They played no, in excess. That is the national anthem. That's all. <laughs> I thought it was your the voice. I'm not happy with their in excess appropriation, by the way. That's one of my favourite songs. You snooze, you lose. That's all I'd say to that. <laughs> or, like, you horses. <laughs> or you get horses. Hey, um, some interesting developments for women in the umpiring world this How week, Nicole. How exciting so is it? Exciting. Eleni Gluftus is umpiring her first actual AFL home and away match this weekend on Sunday with at Etihad, Essendon versus West Coast. I love the story that she was in the middle of her classroom teaching um, her high school students when she got the call from umpire boss Hayden Kennedy and she had to wait, like she couldn't call back straight away and she had this funny feeling. But um, yeah, so she's umpired lots of games at the SANFL and she did a practice match earlier in the year, but this is a massive shift. Incredibly, it's taken as long as it has and, you know, we've got 
got, I think, three female goal umpires, and and there's also Libby Tuvi in the at the female academy. She'll she'll be next, and you know the AFL credit to them is fast tracking a lot of women through the umpiring system. So it's a really exciting weekend. So just to be clear, Nick, she will be the first woman ever to umpire an field. official AFL yep. match as a field umpire. Yes, yeah, yeah an yep. AFL home and away match. Fantastic. The um, SANFL have been claiming her all week. If you go through their Twitter feed, you'll find all the the congratulatory messages and how they've been owning that and saying that this is something that, you know, the SANFL has done really well to encourage and develop her. And then you'll also find a Twitter feed of the Mm. game that was played on the weekend, which had cheerleaders, which I didn't realise was still a thing. It's not still um, a thing, actually, Emma. I didn't. It's not. It's not a thing. I mean, I understand the athleticism of it and it has its place and it's brilliant, but I found the images really jarring and really surprising when you think about the fact that Adelaide can gloat that they have the first female ever AFL premiership winning coach. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think cheerleading as its own sport is great and it's a, a fantastic and amazing to watch, mm. but not as some kind of adornment think, to a football yeah. match. Women mm. as ornaments mm. is probably, I think the time for that in sport is done. Oh, God. Can we have another separate podcast one day about the use of women as um, podium de girls in oh. Tour de France? Yep. Yeah. Good. And yeah boxing. We can definitely talk about that and boxing. In other female sports news, though, there was Trade Week continues. Is it a week? It's more like a uh, yeah. period. <laughs> a period. I think it's it like is. 10 days. Yeah. Let's call it a period. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so first, uh, first trade, and I think only trade that has been done so far is Nicola Stevens has gone from Collingwood to Carlton. It's a big one. Ooh, yeah, controversial. Controversy. They're they're best and fairest. I know. They're, they're, that's going to hurt. So Carlton's happy. I think yeah. Darcy had already photoshopped a Carlton jumper onto her and posted that. <laughs> Is so, it that she didn't like driving down Hunt Road? Does she live north side? And she was like, I'm not making my way across bridge works. To, oh, no one wants to go driving. to So it's a traffic-based. It's a traffic issue. Yeah. <laughs> too. There's also been a few rookies have been signed. So Madison Gay, um, who's a netballer, is off to Carlton, along with Karen Harrington, who's from basketball. And the D's have signed Kate Hoare, who's from basketball, but has also played for the Sharks in the VFLW. Mm-hmm. So that's some of the things that have happened already. Still waiting to hear what happens with Taylor Harris, but Brisbane have re-signed Emma, you know, you always have to say re-signed, not resigned. resigned. <laughs> um, Emma Zilke <laughs> and also about. Sabrina. So you need to oh, buy yeah. that membership, Sab. Nick. Oh, um, I, I love that I found out two things about Taylor Harris. One, apparently she's a, a want away. This is a thing. She was described as a want away, which can you work out what that is? Wants to go away? Yeah, she wants to leave her club. So this is apparently a word now. (laughs) Let's see if it takes off. And the other thing is that (laughs) in the off season, in the off season, she's not playing footy. She's boxing. Oh, I know. Isn't that really? the coolest? Cool. Awesome. Yeah, that's very love cool. Love Taylor Harris. Come to Melbourne. We love you. The other, the other news is that Erin Phillips is no longer going to be playing for the WNBL. WNBL. Mm. WNBA, maybe. Yeah. WNBA. Whatever the state's version is. Blah, blah, blah. She's been delisted, yeah. hasn't she? She has. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. I think there's going to be some changes next year in terms of marquee players and how that looks. I, I, I don't think they're, they won't be going with the same system, but I think you'll see Erin Phillips will be getting paid a bit more. Do you know what football. really annoyed me about that is that she travelled all the way back to the States to be told that she was no longer required. Mm. You're travelling with twins. Oh, my God. Oh God. Packing up that double pram mm. to, and wrapping it in glad wrap, <laughs> stick it under the plane, Put get the, the cots. Yeah, that's the big disappointment about that. Yeah. <laughs> 
I'm just saying it's admin that people don't need. You mentioned the peanut. Uh, you meant to mention the sharks. The sharks had an amazing game at the peanut farm. I love that oval peanut farm, peanut gallery, peanut farm <laughs> against the muggers last week. <laughs> and um, it was a special game. Susan Alberti was there to hand out the medals on the day. It is Susan Alberti's birthday today. Happy, Happy birthday, birthday, Lady Susan. In other very exciting um, news about women who are making their own way in AFL, we just had a chance to chat to Hayley Cooney, who is just happens to be married to a Brownlow medalist, but in her own right is doing some amazing things. She has taken to the field and she's Literally. playing footy. She's been inspired by the AFLW, potentially in a small way inspired by her husband, but it is her time now and she's playing football for Caroline Springs. We spoke to her earlier. Hayley, thank you so much for speaking to us on your lunch break. You are an educator and you're currently hiding from children in a staff room somewhere. I I am. I'm in the little librarian office. You've lived around footy for so long, being the the wife of Adam Cooney, who is a Brownlow medalist and a really... um, astute and well-rounded and a beautiful man. It's obviously um, behind every great man there is a great woman and behind every great woman there is a great man, we like to say. So you've had a really big, um, footy's had a big impact on your life. Yes. How's your relationship with footy? I love football. Absolutely love it. I um, I think I love football more than Adam and I think I always have. Do you mean you love, you love footy more than Adam does or more than you love Adam? <laughs> oh, probably a bit of both. I'm gonna, no, I'm joking. More than Adam does. Like he, he obviously plays football and that was his job. And as we know, not everyone loves their job. And um, over time, unfortunately for Adam, he sort of fell out of love with footy. So I'm definitely going to say that I'm the footy head in the family. How do you feel? Obviously, you've got a big group of really supportive girlfriends who've gone yes. through this journey with you. Probably yes. they're all your Bulldogs mates. They're my Bulldogs girls, my Essendon girls, St Kilda girls. I'm so lucky to have such a, a wide range of girlfriends that I've met over my years in footy. So we come from all sorts of um, different places and, and all over Melbourne. How does that stack up when you think about how WAGs, which is a horrible term, are represented? (laughs) And especially this week in light of what's been happening with Mark Murphy and his wife, Jessie. Yeah, yeah. I I, I don't mind the term WAG as such. It just means wife and girlfriend. So that that doesn't, it sits with me okay. It's more the stigma that's attached to the WAG. I I don't know. I I mean, I only know my girlfriends. I've met obviously some, some other girls from other clubs that I'm not, friends with and everyone's really nice everyone's beautiful so I'm not too sure there's a real stigma attached with wags that these girls are nasty and and stuck up and you know I don't know any nasty wags but do you guys know any nasty wags no 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 yeah no. good we know, but you couldn't do a one-size-fits-all. Everyone's so different. Absolutely. And, you know, it. we love your candor on Instagram. You're just like this. Oh, thank you. You're just busting out of the mould, which, you know, whoever made the mould, and um, <laughs> achieving greatness yourself. Oh, How do you feel so when you see, you know, Jesse Murphy getting mm. implicated in stuff like this? Do you, did you and Adam have a chat about it this week? We sure did. I on when it all came out on the weekend. I think I, I just looked at the TV and I, I honestly I stood there. And my kids were blah blah blah. I said, guys, just stop, just stop talking, just hold on. I said, Adam, pause it, get them to bed. What is what's going on here? I couldn't believe it. My shit. That that girl's been in my thoughts every day since. I just can't imagine. It just breaks my heart. We've just come such a long way since the AFLW has come out. We've had women in football, the, the lady at Hawthorne, just, you know, girl power. And then in one game, I just feel like we've just been set back 
so so far it breaks my heart honestly I've been thinking about it all week and it just I I feel like I could cry for her I really do I can't think of anything well it's a really awful thing to happen for her she's going to have to live with that now for the rest of her life and as we know the footy world is quite a small world um, and she's a beautiful girl so she's very recognizable and that's just going to stick with her now forever and it just it breaks my heart. Your football journey since being a partner of someone playing at the highest level um, yes. has taken a real turn this year. Yes. You are pulling on the boots and <laughs> taking to the field. Yes, How is I that? Am. This is so cool. It's just I still can't so believe cool. it myself. I have to play tomorrow night and I'm like, oh, my God, I just looked at the weather this morning. I'm like, oh, God, do I really actually want to do this? <laughs> <laughs> was, it, was it the AFLW that motivated you or had you been watching Adam play and just thinking, well, as soon as he hangs up the boots, it's my turn next? Well, I never thought that I would actually play. Like, I'm 35 now, so I played when I was in high school. I used to play nine aside, have a bit of biffo with a local high school. <laughs> and then I had my first child when I was 19. So after that, there was just no avenues to go down. And then my best friend, which is Shannon Lake, her husband is Brian Lake, and I, I, I don't know if you guys know, he's the mayor of Caroline <laughs> And she said to me, the girls are getting this team together. You have to come and play. And straight away, I just... Yes, oh my gosh, I bought footy boots that day. I just could not wait. I got all my Essendon gear on. I went to training and I just got there and straight away I had 30 new friends and I was like, this is amazing. I Like, I love it. I absolutely love it. Are you good? Are you going to win a brown line? No, no, I'm terrible. <laughs> I'm, I'm so bad. I'm definitely the worst on the team. I'm not even joking. And the thing is, I thought I was going to be so good. <laughs> I, in my head, I was like, I'm big, I'm tall, I'm, I'm fierce. I'm scared of the ball, I can't kick straight, and I can't run. So I'm not great, but I've got, you know, I've got spirit. Let's go with that. So, Hayley, I think the question is, did you go for the low-key boots or did you go for something like super fluoro? Are well, you going to be got, able to live up to the dream? Yeah, I know. That's the thing, isn't it? Because if you've got these, these boots, you have to, you know, you're recognisable with, with just your boots. So I went for some white ASICs nice. and I've got the rainbow laces, which is representing the um, love is love, marriage equality. So I'm pretty wrapped with those. What do your kids think about the fact that you're playing now? Oh, they love it. And this is the thing that I think that really just makes me so excited is the first game that we played and they all came to the Senate huddle at quarter time and they were looking at me like I was the coolest thing ever. Oh. Like they, they were just so pumped that I was out there, I think. And, well, I know, yeah, they, they were really proud of me and they told me as well. So it's just so encouraging having, like, my parents came down and my sister and all of my friends, like one of my best friends, Annie, who I know you guys are going to meet in a couple of weeks. She's amazing. She made signs. Like, oh. I can't, they were so funny. Like, they were really witty signs. So, unfortunately, I didn't quite live up to the expectations <laughs> of everyone. <laughs> but anyway, I tried. Haley, it's Kate here. And I just wanted to go back a couple of steps and ask you about... Sure. You were just saying that when you turned up, you know, you made 30 new friends instantly. Yeah. One of the yeah. things we sort of, I think, emphasise quite often is that the explosion of the AFLW competition for women is important because it gives women a sense that they might be able to play at the highest level. But yeah. you're kind of touching upon all of these other benefits that women of of our age, you know, we're yeah. a similar age, a lot of our listeners yeah. are, might be inspired just to get back into sport and it's it has all these social benefits and oh, and so I, on. Unbelievable. What? My phone does not stop 
buzzing all day. We have a Facebook messenger, and I don't know what these like why these girls aren't working. But my phone all day <laughs> is just buzzing about what did you guys have for dinner last night? Should I have a spray tan for tomorrow night? Is anyone else having a spray tan? Like. Just it, it is just the connection that I have with these women. And, like, we've only played three games together. But I just know that, they will, honestly, it sounds corny, but they'll be my friends forever now. There's girls ranging from probably oh, 19 to 47. And the amount of love in these messages, I'm not joking. My, my husband's like, oh, for God's sake. My <laughs> God, what, what, what now? What are you guys talking about We're in now? parallel universes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Exactly. You know what's next? That messenger is the reason that we started the podcast. So we can't oh. wait to hear um, <laughs> all of the girls doing a podcast with you and Annie Nolan that, and yes. um, your sister, who I know you're so fond of. And um, we would listen to anything that you're shopping oh. around because we love the messages that you put out there and you're not going unnoticed. And I oh, think there you. could be a time when we're down at Caroline Springs with some signs for you. Can you please? I will seriously, if you guys come, I'll kick you a goal. Okay? <laughs> it's a, a deal. It's a deal. Yes. It's a deal, Haley. Thank you so much for joining us today. We'll let no you get worries. back to the kids. I know that you have a pretty special role at the school that you work at. I and um, we actually should dip our hat to all the people who help out with um, special helper, classroom helper um, roles around the world actually because it's that's a thankless task as well I'm sure being a teacher it's excellent it's the best job ever thank you so much Hayley we can't wait for the footy trip thanks for joining us Yay! <laughs> thank thanks Hayley Thank you so much to Hayley Cooney. She's a cracker. She's an absolute cracker. She's a live wire and I love everything about her. I can't, can't wait, wait to meet her. <laughs> she's best friends. Footy trip. She's best friends with Annie Nolan, so um, that's like. Liam. Oh, can Liam. we all go to get like the whole team with Annie as well? The fangirling is just going to be I think an end of season trip. Outrageous. Yeah. Our heads might explode. Did you see a lovely combination of Cats and Bombers? Not a sentence I usually say, but they chaired off James Kelly on the weekend and it was Dyson Heppel and Joel Selwood um, chaired him off together. And it's so lovely to see yes. this. I think the last time that someone was playing a milestone game and getting chaired off and it was his two teams playing against each other was before, well, way before mm-hmm. iPhones, definitely. But it was so long ago it wasn't recorded. So it was a lovely opportunity to make that synergy and that mateship. I think we'll see a lot more of it too with players not staying at the same club. I think free agencies change things. I thought it was a beautiful picture of his son wearing a bomber's jacket and a cat's beanie. That was cute. <laughs> but do you think there'll be some players maybe who won't? I, I don't think sons and cats are going to be too happy about sharing off G. Ablett at the end of it. I feel <laughs> like there's a little bit of love Tension. loss there. Yeah. Well, it has to fall on the exact, like you have to be playing on that, that, day. On that actual day. So it takes for some kind of like st- statistician's dream for and, it to well, happen. James Kelly had kind of worked that out. He'd said, you know, he got rested for an earlier game and he knew that that was going to happen. Yeah, right. Well, something really kind of you know, messing with my juju there around yeah. Romans. The other thing is, Romans if you're going to chair, if you're going to chair someone off, can you try and get two people who are a similar height? It makes for so some what, really awkward. I shouldn't do it with you. We shouldn't so chair Emma. We should, no. no, it's always awkward to chair off a ruck. Oh, there's so many <laughs> limbs. Feet drag on the floor, on the ground. <laughs> exactly. Um, Alicia, have you? What have you got for us in terms of how some people are tracking? Oh well, I just wanted to give a really quick Jack report. Um, <laughs> Because I was just sure it just came to me. You know, I know I'm a bit slow, but if you, if St Kilda and Gold Coast Suns played, there'd be ten people named Jack on the field. So imagine calling out that name. How many heads would turn around? That's nearly a third of the players are called Jack.
back. <laughs> but we've got Brisbane Lion, Jack Frost, Carlton Jack Silverney, Gold Coast Sun, Jack Leslie, Jack Martin, Jack Rose, Jack Scrimshaw, Collingwood, Jack Crisp, and Jackson Ramsey. I'm going to count a couple of Jacksons in there. Essendon, sure. Jackson Merritt, Geelong, Jack Henry, Jackson Thurlow, Hawks, Jack Gunston, Jack Fitzpatrick, Melbourne, Jack Watts, Jack Viney, Jack Tengrove, <laughs> North, you've got Jack Zebel, Port Adelaide, Jackson Tengrove, Jack Homsch. Richmond, Jack Graham, Jack Rewalt, St Kilda, Jack Stephen, Jack Steele, Jack Looney, Jack Billings, Jack Nunes, Jack Sinclair, Swans, Kieran, Jack, Brendan, Jack, okay, a couple of last names, Jack still count. Maybaum, West Coast Eagles, Jack Redden, Jack Darling, Jackson Nelson and Western Bulldogs, Jack McRae, Jack Redpath and you've got no Jacks in Adelaide, Fremantle and GWS. And now they have a whole Brownlow that's just the best and fairest of the Jacks. Can I just say though, can I just say, I mean I didn't plan doing Omen Watch but those three teams (laughs) have all been doing quite well. That's what I was going to say. That's what I was going to say. Sorry, sorry, I've taken your scoop. No, because you've seen where I'm going. Scoop, just swoop, whatever. So without a jack, you might have a chance. You know what's You've got happens? Jacks. You've got jack's chance. All the jack <laughs> shit. <laughs> These jacks are around the same age as my eldest. And when he was born, there were so many jacks in mother's group. I knew this was going to happen. They were like awesome with those little soft toys. What they should do is they should, instead of doing that state of origin match, they should just do the jacks versus Victoria. <laughs> True. And I wonder how many Olivias would play in the women. So we'll keep an mm. Olivia watch. That's a very oh, good point. Wow. Oh, I love it. Jack watch. We'll be back with Jack watch. <laughs> we can have oh. Jacks versus Jareds. Jacks and Jareds. Oh, there's so many of them. Hey, there's also Jessie's. Jessie. Yes. Let's do a big it's shout Jay's, out to yeah. Jesse Hogan. There was some terrible news this week. Sad. He's just had such a terrible run. Mm. He has, yeah. So sadly, Jesse Hogan of the D's was diagnosed with testicular cancer this week, although by all reports it's been detected quite early. So we wish him the very best. I just wanted to say a couple of things about this story this week, uh, if I could. The first one is that I heard some absolutely terrific radio this week, SEN, uh, on on the day that it had been announced that uh, Jesse had been diagnosed. It was one of those wonderful occasions, I think, where radio serves a public service. And so um, the hosts invited people to call in and many men called in to talk about the symptoms that men who had themselves been diagnosed with testicular cancer called in to explain for the benefit of other men the kinds of symptoms that they had experienced and also talk about, talked about how often they had let those symptoms go um, and, you know, they, they shouldn't have. So to me it was just terrific and important radio. What I learnt actually from Lucy earlier today is that testicular cancer is the second most common cancer in men aged 18 to 39. Um, So it's important for all men, of course, to keep an eye on these things, but particularly men in that age bracket. And if you go to the website cancer.org.au, there's a lot of information about the sort of symptoms that you should keep an eye out for. Um, And and I do encourage men and their partners, if, um, you know, a couple of callers did talk about the role that their partners had played in helping actually detect that there was something wrong. So I encourage people to have a look at that website. I also just wanted to give a shout out to one of our listeners, Dan, who took the time to send me a very lovely email about Jesse Hogan. I won't read it all, but Dan was somebody who felt very touched by Jesse's story because he had himself been diagnosed with testicular cancer a couple of years ago. And one of the things that he mentioned was, you know, it's now known that actually just a few weeks ago, Jesse Hogan's father passed away from cancer himself. So this is just a terrible time for Jesse and his family. But 
um, around the time that Jesse's father was actually obviously quite sick, um, I don't think that was publicly known, a photo had been taken of yeah. Jesse having a cigarette at a festival oh. and the media had really piled in on Jesse. Yep. We've talked a bit on this show about, you know, that how it seems like nothing is sacred in players' private lives anymore. But Dan did point out to me the kind of um, inconsistency of the media's approach that he had been quite heavily attacked at that time, which turned out to be not not only was it his private time, but obviously a really difficult time in mm. his and his family's life. And no empathy was um, directed towards Jesse then. And now there's quite a lot, quite rightly, of empathy directed to Jesse now. Um, and... Uh, you know, I think that's unfortunate that um, that, that particularly... he's supposed to be, supposed to have had to explain himself or something. You yeah, know, that there's this expectation then. you have to account for it. Yeah, that's right. And obviously, he was going through a really difficult time. Mm. But nevertheless, we wish him very well. Please have a look at that website. It's got a lot of really important information on it. Yeah, I also got an email this week about a crowdfunding opportunity for you to support a statue which is being mooted of the Nicky Winmar stance with his jumper up, pointing proudly at his skin, um, to go up at Victoria Park, which I think we talked to Wayne Ludby about this a little while ago. I would love to see that statue. Oh, and yeah. I feel like it should be at the MCG yes. because it was yes. such a huge moment. Victoria Park is where it happened. Mm. Um, but so there is a certain you know, beauty uh, about, poetry about, about that. There's something about it, but I kind of mm. feel like but it happened there, there for negative reasons. Yeah. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So I feel like I would like it to, to see it at the MCG, but, you know, who knows? Um, and I also wanted to shout out to the fact that Move in May is on this week, which is Angie Green's baby. And Move in May supports stand-up events and there'll be so many famous footballers and amazing people there who are Mm. the ambassadors and they all support what Angie Green does. One thing that I just wanted to bring to your attention is we know Angie Green goes out and she speaks to schools and she speaks to sporting clubs about homophobic language and the damage that that can do to people. And this week she posted something on Instagram, which is quite interesting. If you're not from Melbourne, I'm going to talk about a school called Melbourne Grammar, which is a really old, old school tie, elite, elite school mm. in Melbourne. Kind of as old Boys as, school. as, old as school. Lucy. It's marginally oh. younger than Lucy. <laughs> And um, the First Fleet established it. (laughs) There was a photo this week that she posted on Instagram and it had a picture of an iconic window and room at um, Melbourne Grammar with the rainbow flag hanging out of it. And the post that she put with it said, Yesterday Brent and Angie were asked to speak in front of an entire school assembly along with the incredible school captains Nick and Rich Bartlett at Melbourne Grammar. Personal stories were told and the vulnerability and courage was palpable. Rich Bartlett was the last to speak, which resulted in the most emotional and passionate standing ovation we have ever witnessed. What happened yesterday was nothing short of magic. We are incredibly proud to have been a part of it. It's amazing to think what she's achieving. So if you can get out and support Move in May uh, for stand-up events this Sunday at the Botanical Gardens, it would have to be in Melbourne to do it. But if you're not in Melbourne, I really encourage you to... And you can support, can't you? You can get behind and donate. You can get behind, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Get on Instagram at least and follow Angie. She is one out of the box. She is a cracker, that girl. But before we leave you, Lucy has a moral and social dilemma. (laughs) Do you guys... Check the footy fixture before you say yes to social. Absolutely. <laughs> do you also extend that to your partner? Like, do you check? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I can't yeah. do anything. What, what, their, oh, games what are. their games I are. I don't have to. Yeah. I'm, an, I'm yeah. an American. I've, we go for the same team. Yeah. We recently went out for dinner and um, I had 
cleared the way that my team wasn't playing, but his was. <laughs> and so half the table spent the night watching the football. And it just made me think, what do you do? Like, is there anything that trumps football? No. Sex? Well, first, <laughs> pregnancy. No, definitely <laughs> not. Weddings? A wedding. Oh, can I just well, because you can't control them. But Everything else you have to organise around it. Yeah. I've seen well, people the at having it does. <laughs> yeah, I've seen people at weddings yeah. with their iPhones yeah. out though. Can I just say, yeah, that reminds me. My sister got married at the exact time that Kieran Perkins was swimming the fifteen hundred meter final oh. at the Sydney Olympics. That's I say Kieran hard. Perkins and Grant Hackett, but I was more interested in Kieran. My dad sat in the. Uh, I was going to say the funeral, the wedding, <laughs> sorry, um, with a tranny, a little wireless in his pocket and a little mm-hmm. earplug. And I was up on the stage because I was a bridesmaid and he kept gesturing to me, either the thumbs up or the thumbs down, <laughs> to let me know whether Perkins was in front or not. And everyone else I thought just... it was about the marriage. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. <laughs> I find it really hard to say to people, I can't come because all the ones No, you just that's I when need you to lie. be at the football. You and <laughs> sometimes I do lie. My husband flat out does not lie. He says, I can't come, footy's on. But he's not just talking about his He's talking about any Any team. team. Like he will watch any game and choose that every day of the week, which I think is potentially why we're together. And why Um, he's got no friends. I actually think it's it's time for us to own it. I own it. I totally own it. Yeah. I just say, have you checked the fixture? You know how I roll. (laughs) I need to start saying that. Thank you so much to our guests for joining us and thanks to our listeners. As always, you gorgeous people. I don't know. Like you just keep us buoyed, you keep us floating and you keep us, I don't know, you keep honest. us connected and you keep us <laughs> honest and especially a big shout out to Josh Pinn who yep. um, has always supported this podcast and he really put himself on the line this week with an article that he wrote and um, he's been such a huge supporter. I guess he keeps us going as well. So thank you so much. Have a great week, everyone. Get better Felicity, kind of, and <laughs> go football. Go football. Celine Dion. <laughs> The secret to summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil, clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Its signature scent of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com.